the easy market wrap everything you need to know about the world and your money easy how should we be treating it when when a director decides to, to suddenly dump shares so this is a tough one it's a it's a classic yes or no answer like, there is no like exact playbook so like let's say for example so a company uh, has a spin-off like let's think back to bitvest and bitcorp when they spun off you know empirically Whenever a company does that, uh, most times that they outperform the market, I think twofold over the next year and a bit. All right, so that's empirical data. And there's one variable that's added into that mix. Now, when it comes to a director selling or buying, there's multiple variables that get put into that mix. Now, think about it. It could be a tax event, a CGT event that's been triggered. They could have received share options. Welcome to Easy Does It, a podcast by Easy Equities, where we simplify money and investing. No jargon, no complications. Your cool guide to investing. Easy. <laughs> Thank you for pressing play on the Easy Does It podcast, your cool guide to investing. My name is DJ At Large, and we are back with the monthly Easy Market Wrap. And once again, we welcome our financial market Sangoma and commentator JD Brayton Buck, a man with almost a decade of financial markets experience, a solutionist thinker, a sportsman, a dog lover, and a senior trader at Purple Group. You know, he's here to, to answer some burning investment questions and to give us the scoop on important events that had the markets shaking in the month of march jd welcome back to the easy does it podcast it's lovely to have you again brother thanks so much for having me looking forward to it yes so before we jump into the easy market wrap uh, i've got two random money questions for you right so the first one is this would you rather save and invest your money in an ra or a tax-free savings account so I think both serve their own purpose. So on the TFSA or the tax-free savings account front, you can save up to about, well, it's save up to 36,000 Rand per year tax-free. Whereas an RA, you can actually claim back your contributions up to 27.5% of taxable income, which is then capped at 350K. So with your TFSA, obviously your cash isn't locked, where with your RA it is locked until you reach a certain age. So I think it's it's important that you have both um, from a state planning point of view so that you have money that you can touch in case of an emergency and also money that you're forced not to touch until you reach your age. Yeah, I definitely agree with that one. I want us to sort of look a bit into your portfolio. Now, I know the first few months of the year have been very, very shaky. So I'm keen to know what has been your best and your worst performing share or ETF for 2023? So on the ETF side, I prefer to just sit uh, quite passive, uh, not very active there, to be honest. Um, on the share side, definitely the best performing well, it's two shares that stand out. It's Anheuser-Busch and uh, Aspen Farmer. So Anheuser, the global alcoholic beverage behemoth uh, last year uh, from about October has been trading very, very strong. Uh, I think it's up almost about 50% from the, the recent lows. And what's always nice is if a share has been going sideways for quite a while and eventually starts to base out, you can generally most times chase that momentum going forward. So I think we could possibly see some more upside there as well. On Aspen, it's also been trading ridiculously strong this year. I think it's up almost 40% since Jan. Uh, we've had some very, very strong price action that I'm sure traders can remember last to back 2014, 2015. That all happened on the back of the CEO, Stephen Saad. Uh, essentially came came out with a sense saying that they've got more vaccination deals lined up on the table essentially on the worst performing side let me think okay it's definitely coronation 
So we back round about to uh, the prices that it was trading at at the beginning of the year. So essentially it sold off about 20% on the highs after the news came out from the Supreme Court of Appeal. Essentially on their ruling on the, the financial impact of the litigation that was ongoing with SARS. And that's obviously had a knock on effect on their dividend, which was why everyone was jumping on the bandwagon. Uh, if you went on Twitter around about that time, you could see everyone was uh, in the trade. And uh, that just goes to show you that uh, when everyone thinks that it's good, it's generally a crowded trade and uh, then you must be want to start watching out <laughs> yeah definitely what a share is uh, is trending for whatever reason one needs to be a little bit careful but also jd it's, it's clear that you truly are a market sangoma and i say this because you know the last time we had you here you had a lot of things to say about ab inbev and all of a sudden it's performing so so well but i want us to jump into the equities market specifically uh, jd let's rewind back to the beginning of march uh, did anything significant happen in the equities market uh, both locally and globally so on that Anhouse, you must also remember that a broken clock is also right twice a day. But um, <laughs> at the beginning of March, um, yeah, I mean, there was, a, there was a lot that happened this past month. But I think let's, let's maybe just rewind it back to the beginning of the year. So investors started definitely scrambling back at the beginning of the year into more of your riskier assets, which were hammered in 2022 because of the aggressive rate hikes that all the global... Uh, central banks started partaking and obviously to curb the inflation that we started seeing. I mean, 2022, we just to put it into perspective, I mean, I think last year this time, the Fed's funds rate was roughly 0.5%. We're now sitting at 5%. So that's been an astronomical gain. And now you can obviously understand why we've had that impact, obviously, through to obviously the banking sector, which we also saw this month. Tech has definitely outperformed. I mean, this month, the NASDAQ was the strongest US indice. Just to put it into perspective, if you had bought the NASDAQ 100 and sold the S&P 100, you'd be up 10%. So that means the NASDAQ outperformed the S&P 100 by 10% this year. Uh, on the US side, we've also got uh, US earnings coming up in about two to three weeks time. So that's something to also keep an eye on. Circling back to the, the whole banking debacle, obviously let's not forget the Silicon Valley and Signature Bank that happened and the contagion that was then spread through to Europe and all the other banks globally with uh, obviously Credit Suisse, so I'm not going to hamper too much on it because I'm pretty sure we all know, but I mean Credit Suisse almost failed and there was a forced hasty takeover from their rival UBS. On the local front, the style got taken out by Heineken eventually after quite a while. Uh, it's sad to see another share go from the JSE. Uh, locally, on the interest rate side, we've also seen a few rate hikes. Also, just to put it into perspective, last year this time we also roughly 3.5%. Now we're trading at about 7.75%. Um, so there's some some big moves in that space, and that's obviously had the knock-on effect on through to the equity markets. And finally, normality is returning because probably for the last 10 years, no one's spoken about interest rates. It's all just been about the Fed. We've also had IPO, Premier, Premier IPO'd. So for those who don't know who Premier was, they essentially, it's a group company that operates as subsidiaries that provides food and beverage, sugar confectionery, and personal care products, both uh, locally and globally. 
yeah god so much has happened in, in the month of march it's been such a crazy one um jd uh, what are the big investment uh, global themes and macroeconomic factors that are currently affecting the market yeah it was actually quite hard to think what happened all in march because there was so much but uh from a global theme and macro perspective honestly it's all all traders and analysts in the market everyone's watching how the central banks are reacting to the economic data that's coming through so we all need to understand what's going on with inflation, how the global PMRs are looking, etc. And going forward, I think everyone's definitely going to be looking at the US earnings to see how resilient the companies have been with all these excessive rate hikes. Well, not excessive rate hikes, but with all the rate hikes that have gone through. It's going to be an interesting one to, to see and to monitor. Now, JD, I saw a lot of tears on social media and I saw a lot of blood on the streets from Transaction Capital and Tungela shareholders. Uh, what's happening with these stocks? I mean, is there any value uh, after these massive sell-offs? So on uh, TCP or Transaction Capital side, their shares sold off quite aggressively on the back of a pre-closed trading statement, which they, they didn't think that the market was going to react very badly to and the market really didn't like it. Now, I think as a South African, whenever there is too much news and a little bit of hype, we always think back at Steinhoff because, I mean, I've also been a, a victim of Steinhoff. And um, yeah, there was, a, there was a lot of fear in the market at that point. I mean, there was some fear at one point that they had breached debt covenants and that's why that the shares were selling off. But in my opinion, the CEO, Dave Hewitt, um, he actually handled this horrible situation quite well. I mean, he stepped up, he had that conversation with Alec Haug on Biz News. I mean, they constantly updated the market via sends. And I think that's, that's what led to um, eventually the, the stabilization of that um, share price. And obviously, you also had the director stepping up to the plate and starting to purchase. Unfortunately, I mean, we are sit, sitting with a, with a tough economic climate. And what we have seen is that they are trying to reject their business model, which, which does add a lot of positivity to their, to their outlook. On uh, TGA's front, so uh, Thangela, sorry, I'm always just talking about JSC ticker codes. It's just all I see, just with numbers floating by the whole time. No sorry, it's a bit hard to say the full name sometimes. Um, so I saw yesterday, Investix analyst Levuyo Boy cut their target from a buy to sell. And he's got a target price of 175 and yesterday's closing price was roughly 21250 but uh, let's also not forget if you hold the shares after the close of the 19th of april you're also entitled to a gross dividend of 40 rand a share but something that a, a lot of traders and people in the market haven't really been looking at is the richards bay coal price and the Tangela price now they are extremely closely correlated um, if you also look at the other shares within that greater sector, I mean, Exora also hasn't been trading very hot this year. I mean, they formed a base at around about a 180. So, yeah, no, provided that they hold there, it should, be, should bode well for the investors. You know, JD, there's something that's very interesting with regards to transaction capital. And I think something that added to the fear is sometimes the behavior of directors. So what I'm keen to know is when a director of a listed company decides to sell their shares, should ordinary retail investors like myself, should we see this as a signal of impending bad news? How should we be treating it when, when a director decides to, to suddenly dump shares? So this is a tough one. It's a, it's a classic yes and no answer. I, uh, there is no like exact playbook. So like, let's say, for example, if a company uh, has a spin-off, like let's think back to Bitvest and Bitcorp when they spun off, you know, empirically, whenever a company does that, uh, most times that they outperform the market, I think twofold over the next year and a bit. All right. So that's empirical data. There's one variable that's added into that mix. Now, when it comes to a director selling or buying, 
there's multiple variables that get put into that mix. Now, think about it. It could be a tax event, a CGT event that's been triggered. Uh, they could have received share options. I mean, Dave Hurwitz also came out and explained why he sold his shares as well. Various directors could be trading shares or just adding to their portfolios. Um, diversification of portfolios as well. So, I mean, many times your, your younger CEOs will be very gung-ho on their share when they're younger. But when they reach uh, an older age, from a estate planning point of view, it just makes sense for them to diversify out of, you know, one or two very, very large holdings. I mean, if we think back to uh, Y.T. Besson or James Wellwood Besson, I've actually just finished that book, quite, quite a good book on how he started ShopRite and whatnot. Whenever he steps up to the plate, I mean, he usually takes some large SSF or single stock future positions. And then that bodes quite well because that shows that he has this interest and he expects the share price to go higher. Now, on transaction capital, I think like I mentioned earlier, quite a few directors also did step up to the plate and took a few positions, a couple of, couple of million here or there. And I think that did add a little bit of positivity to it. But there's no rule of thumb that said if a director sells, it bodes well or if a director buys, it should go higher. I mean, I've seen it happen quite contrary, but what you want to watch as well is like the velocity of sales that go through. So if all the directors are starting to dump, that's something that you want to start to watch. But then it, it also means we shouldn't automatically panic no. and automatically think there's bad news. There's a number of factors, as you mentioned, that could be at play in the background. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it comes back down to just, you know, focusing on your own research and not trying to be... I mean, it's a factor to look at, yes, but it's not the be-all and end-all. Mm, that makes sense. Uh, now, JD, during the month of March, we saw Alibaba shares jump uh, on the news that the retail giants will be split into six business segments. Uh, how could this uh, affect us ordinary uh, retail investors? So I think from a big picture point of view, it's definitely going to be positive for the internet sector as a whole, and especially Chinese capital markets. Now, look at all the geopolitical tension that's been going on for the last couple of years. Obviously, the flow of funds have not really been going there. So essentially, Alibaba is looking to split up uh, their $257 billion empire into six main units. They are going to sell some of their less strategic investments, but also on the investor call, they mentioned that within this restructuring, they're looking also to return cash to shareholders. Now, this can either come in the form of a special divvy, a divvy, or a share buyback scheme. Now, looking at the sector as well, JD.com, great company. <laughs> Their main competitor, well, is Alibaba, one of Alibaba's main competitors. They've also done a successful spin-off of JD Health and JD Logistics. Um, now, both JD and Alibaba are going to have a similar, I mean, they're essentially going to remain the holding companies and have control over their subsidiaries. Now, Baba is going to maintain their main e-commerce business, so their, their bread and butter within the holding company. But we obviously have picked up as well that there is fears that this restructuring will, you know, that the, the synergies that were created within the bigger group are going to fall away. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're going to have to trim the fat. You're going to have to chase the winners. There was a investment report that came out from Morningside. They ran a DCF model. So that's just a discounted cash flow model. It's what uh, the analysts look at quite aggressively. And they have fair value sitting around at 177 on the, uh, the US ADR, so the US listing on that. Uh, had a look uh, last night on the Bloomberg average analysts. Their target is sitting at about 142. And with out of all the analysts that cover the share, 91% of them have buy recommendations on them. So we can see that the market is quite bullish on Alibaba on the bigger picture. 
And just to put that into perspective, last night we closed just north of $100 per share. So things are looking uh, on the up and up in terms of of Alibaba. Uh, I want us to focus on the world of of crypto. Uh, Has anything significant been happening there? I mean, we saw a bit of a bounce back in the price of of Bitcoin. Yeah, no, uh, Bitcoin's definitely bounced back quite aggressively. And I'm sure you've also been watching Dogecoin. I'm sure you're a Twitter user as well. And you've seen uh, Elon Musk uh, putting the Dogecoin meme on Twitter when you log in. So I think that's created a lot of positive uh, you know, people now aware of it. And um, yeah, just pushing the price up that way. And in terms of the US banking crisis, do you think this strengthens crypto in the long term? So I think all your, I'm pretty sure you're also a diehard crypto fan. Uh, yes. But, <laughs> but um, I think everyone will then jump on that bandwagon and say, yes, yes, it will. But um, I might have had said this analogy to you before, but I mean, if you think back to the internet back in the early 2000s, it's crazy to think that Google was only the 23rd entrant into the search engine market. Now, if I had to explain it and break it down to those terms, the internet is the blockchain. Google, Google's like a Bitcoin or a Dogecoin or something like that. Will it be around? Will it be the main currency to use? We don't know. At the moment, it is definitely the strongest. And um, it's, I think you just gotta keep, keep on researching. But one, one very nice little, little tool that we do have at Easy Equities and Easy Crypto is our EC10, which essentially tracks the 10 largest cryptos by market cap. So instead of trying to pick one, you are chasing the top 10 biggest. Oh, that definitely makes sense. I want us to go back to equities, JD. You know, which local international stocks or asset classes should we be watching over the next couple of weeks and, and why? So we've always got U.S. earnings that are coming through. Uh, that's definitely going to be something to watch uh, for the investors and traders out there. Uh, the U.S. market tends to be a lot more emotional than our market. So when stocks uh, beat quite aggressively, you generally see them jump. I mean, you've, when you see big, big price moves. And generally, you can trade that in that direction for the next couple of months. So as, a, as an investor, definitely take a look at that. Uh, that's something to do and then obviously just keeping an eye on the, the general market eh? doing your own research and not trying to get sucked in and get too emotional um, yeah yes so seems like the month of April is going to be a very interesting one JD thank you so much for joining us and we're going to catch you again next month for our easy market uh, recap thank you very much for having me just for now thank you so much to JD for throwing the financial market bones by looking back and forward that's our monthly easy market wrap for the month of March with senior trader at purple group JD our financial market enthusiast and commentator on the easy does a podcast your cool guide to investing thank you for pressing play on the easy does it podcast a big shout out to you for hanging out with us don't forget to subscribe we are on spotify and apple podcasts let us know what you think of this episode on twitter and insta our handle is at easy equities